Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Some students are tackling more than just their schoolwork, which is why more than 30% of them aren't graduating. But with a boost from you, 100% of them will have a better chance to make it to graduation. Go to BoostUp.org to find out how to give the high school students in your community the boost they need to make it through. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Imagine a friend has just told you they were diagnosed with a mental illness. What would you do? Awkward, isn't it? But what's even more awkward is, if you're not there for them, they'll be less likely to recover. Mental illness. What a difference a friend makes. To learn more, go to whatadifference.org. This message is brought to you by the Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Close your eyes in Chicago, and you can hear the sound of a zebra braying in Africa. Look hard out your window in D.C., and you can see the snow-covered peaks of the Andes. The world is that small. We are that connected. Please visit EarthShare.org and learn how the world's leading environmental groups are working together. EarthShare, one environment, one simple way to care for it all. A public service message from EarthShare and the Ed Council. What tool does a vulture use to open an egg? The answer next on today's Creation Moments. And now, here's our Creation Moments host, Ian Taylor. School textbooks continue to claim that man is the only animal to use tools. Of course, speaking this way not only identifies man as merely another animal, but completely ignores the fact that man was made in the image of God, and thus has moral responsibilities. However, man the tool user argument supporting evolution has been quietly shot down, as science continues to discover a growing number of animal tool users. One of the latest creatures to be added to the list is the Egyptian vulture. About the size of a raven, the Egyptian vulture loves to eat the eggs of other birds. However, to get at the contents of the egg, the bird searches for a suitable stone to drop on the egg and break it open. While these stones are usually just large enough to do the job, the vultures have been recorded dropping stones that weigh over a pound. They hit their target about 50% of the time. The fact that there are animals that use tools shows that this evolutionary definition of man totally fails to describe what we really are. Tool using is not some evolutionary development. According to the Bible, when Adam and Eve were sent out of the Garden of Eden, they were given the task of tilling the ground, showing that man was a tool user from the very beginning. For more information, visit us online at creationmoments.com. You'll find both written and audio transcripts, creation-focused articles and Bible studies, and many other resources, all at creationmoments.com. 
or call us toll-free at 1-800-42-BIBLE. And be sure to join us next time for another Creation Moment, proclaiming evidence of God's truth.
fame. Go forth from me. Hips to make. Jealous Egyptian.
This is Morty Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. And good morning. It's your early morning gospel program, Morning Inspirations, here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Good morning to Guest 37. Good morning to you and welcome. It's now time for our morning prayer. Lutheran will be on after this. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, for your sweetest you thank you. Come in prayer. Thank you for everything you've done, everything you're going to do, everything you're about to do. Remember those, Lord, those victims and families that lost a loved one, friends. those Lord behind prison walls. Remember those Lord who hospital and hospice and nursing homes. Those Lord who commuting back and forth to various destinations. Family mercies, Lord. Radio family, lift up G37, Lord, every minister, every of the gospel. Give us more. Any sins that we've done, anything that we've done, no. Can't believe Jesus. Fathers.
to an hour is next. The Lutheran Hour, bringing Christ to the nations. After providing a miraculous catch of fish, Jesus cooks breakfast for his disciples. But what does it mean for us? Pastor Gregory Sell tells how God is with us at the everyday level of life. It's easy and tempting to exclude God because you believe he's far away. But Jesus wouldn't accept that for his disciples then, and he doesn't want it for you and me now. God was not far away. He was alive and very present. Jesus, the Son of God, gave them a very personal response. What did he do? He cooked the disciples breakfast. Join us for Pastor Seltz's message titled, Breakfast with Jesus. Hello, I'm Mark Eicher. Later, our colleague Janelle Lockwood takes us behind the scenes here at Lutheran Hour Ministries to show how we connect listeners with helpful resources. And a listener needs help in how to be kinder and less of a grouch. Now with a message based on the gospel reading appointed for the third Sunday of Easter from John chapter 21. Here's our speaker, Dr. Gregory Seltz. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, there are big questions in life, aren't there? And contrary to what some say, they do need an answer. The big questions are questions like, Why is there so much suffering in our world? Why all the evil and pain? Why the hardship of hunger and homelessness, illness, war and tragedy? Why the stress and the strain and the corruption? Why does God let it go on? Have you asked these questions before? Well, during this era of history, the world is completely connected, if you think about it, but for good and for ill. If a tragedy happens on the other side of the globe, you and I can see news coverage almost immediately. If you want to find out about the latest political argument, you can watch it now on YouTube. If anything happens just about anywhere, cell phone photos and videos will most likely be posted on Facebook almost immediately. And here's my question. Why do people enjoy posting others' embarrassments or mistakes? Just think of that for a moment. It's easy to get overwhelmed when you see so many horrible things happening all around the world, and it doesn't take long to ask, why? Why is it happening? Does God really want this to happen? And why doesn't he stop it? You wonder about God's involvement in life. Is he close? Does he care? You may be asking those questions right now, and you may have good reason to do so. Some of you are hanging by a thread at this very moment, barely able to keep going. Hurt has taken your breath away. Worry may be paralyzing you. Tragedy might be immobilizing you and making you feel like just giving up. You may be wondering where God is in the middle of all this. Or you may have already given up on thinking that he's even in your life. Well, Jesus' own disciples felt that way. Their master had called them to follow, and they did. They gave up everything, walked with him for three years. Jesus taught with authority, yes. He did things no one else could do, yes. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He stilled storms. He fed crowds with only a picnic lunch in his hand. And Peter said at best, you are the son of God. 
Now that same Jesus died on a cross. Now he was gone. At the end of the Gospel of John, we encounter disillusioned and forlorn disciples going back to their normal lives. The events unfolded this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. The professional fishermen went back to fishing. It was business as usual. Their adventure of three years seemed to be over, long gone. God wasn't involved in their lives anymore, they thought. So they hit the seas and they tried to catch something, but they came up empty. It figures. That's the way it goes when you're running on fumes and down to your last dollar. For the disciples, and maybe for you, it seemed like more evidence that God was nowhere to be found. When you come up empty, you start to think that God has abandoned you, or even worse, that God was never really involved at all. That's the way we feel sometimes. It happens when you come up empty in your relationships or when you come up empty in your goals for life. It happens when you try to have children but can't. It happens when you try to make ends meet, but they won't. It happens when you're praying for healing, but disappointment and grief come instead. It happens when you think things are getting better, but then they come crashing down again. Is God really involved in your ordinary, everyday life? Sometimes you think the answer is no, and you think you're all alone. That's what a little boy in the Boston area thought. He was from Brazil. His family just moved to the United States to a chilly Boston winter. The boy saw a frozen pond for the first time in his life. He was so intrigued by the glazed pond that he decided to try to walk on it. About halfway out, he fell through the ice. It was a startling shock. He crashed below the surface and started screaming for help. He was absolutely panicked, and for good reason. He thought he was all alone. But Adelson Almeida happened to be looking out his apartment window just then. He saw the boy thrashing in the icy water. He grabbed his friend Ty, and the pair ran outside. A group of people followed. Ty broke through the ice and began to make his way toward the helpless boy. The people formed a human chain to pull Ty and the boy toward shore. And just when the boy thought it was all lost, that he was on his own, that no one heard him or cared about him, a strong and warm arm grabbed him and pulled him to safety. Almeida was relieved that the boy was okay, but he too was blessed. He said, it was a present from God to save somebody else. That was Jesus' response to you too. He came even closer to save you than an outstretched arm. He lived your life. He died your death, and he gives you his life as a gift. Now that's personal. In fact, that's what makes Jesus so special. Salvation for the whole world, yes. But personal life by faith, man to man, woman to woman, that's how Jesus delivers his good news to you. It happened that way to the disciples. As they labored at fishing and wallowed in their grief and disappointment, Jesus showed up. The Apostle John tells it this way. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They said, no. Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. They did, and they had this incredible catch. And the disciples said, it is the Lord. But listen to this. Peter heard that, and then he jumped into the sea. And the other disciples came in that boat dragging that full net of fish, for they weren't that far from land, about 100 yards off. Jesus showed up. The Bible said that this was the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after his resurrection. He kept 
coming back. The disciples thought that Jesus was out of the picture of their life and not involved. They thought they were on their own in a pretty miserable life, but Jesus got personally involved with them. There he was on the beach, a present from God for their hope and salvation. You know, it's tempting to make God into what we see in the world around us. If the world's uncaring, perhaps God doesn't care. If we are too busy, perhaps God's too busy. If life is impersonal, perhaps God is impersonal. In our sin and brokenness, it's hard to give God credit, isn't it? It's difficult to give him the benefit of the doubt. You ask the big questions when life is confusing and chaotic. Where is God? What's taking him so long? What sense does he make? And in your frustration, you can start to think that you're in this all alone, that it's up to you to figure everything out and just survive. Well, sometimes in your doubt about God's involvement, care, and presence, you rush ahead and you push him out of the picture. How many times have you reacted to a difficult situation without stepping back to ask God for his help and wisdom? You jumped into an argument. You leaped into despair. You were quick to criticize. You went ahead without thinking. How often have you convinced yourself that God can take care of the big issues of life, the eternal stuff, but he's not available to handle your details? Just think about it. Have you felt God is too busy for your everyday prayers? Do you hesitate to bother him with your small issues? It's easy and tempting to exclude God because you believe he's far away or because he's too big for a small life like yours. Jesus wouldn't accept that for his disciples then, and he doesn't want it for you and me either now. They were not in this alone, and life was not theirs to figure out and control. God was not far away. He was alive and very present. And Jesus, the Son of God, gave them a very personal response. What did he do? He cooked the disciples breakfast. Breakfast with Jesus. Wow. This is how it happened. When the disciples got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in the place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore, and Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so also the fish. What would you expect Jesus to do after he died on the cross and rose from the dead? In our day and age, you might expect that he would show off a little bit, maybe a dance in the end zone or calling for cheers from the crowd, perhaps a worldwide TV special or a viral video. Why not make the sun stand still or break the record for Twitter followers? But what did Jesus do? He sat on the beach for breakfast with a handful of disillusioned people. What was Jesus showing about himself, about the nature and character of God? Well, he was showing his determination to be involved in your ordinary, everyday life. Come and have breakfast. Those were the stirring words of the risen Son of God. Jesus just got personal. He was saying, look at me and let me show you who God is. Let me show you that God is close and that God cares. But it's easy to miss him, isn't it? You know, these days, for instance, you can get apps for free for your phone. They're free because they're filled with all kinds of ads. Videos pop up when you're using them. Product banners scroll along the sides and through the middle. But these apps are tremendously popular. Do you know why? Well, because it doesn't take much for us to tune things out. There's so much coming at us nowadays that we've made ignoring an art. Let the ads scroll. It doesn't matter. We're very good at ignoring them. 
We're also very good at ignoring God's reach into everyday life. That's why we need to hear Jesus' powerful words today. Come and have breakfast. Here in John 21, Jesus is saying, pay close attention and learn about me for your life. You get to know God when you look at Jesus. And who do you see? He cared about you so much that he gave his life for you on the cross. He loves you so much that through his resurrection he gives you a life in which death and evil and misery will never have the last word for you. He forgives you of your sins. He gathers you in his arms to be your refuge and strength in times of trouble. He gives you personal attention when he says, call upon me in the day of trouble. His love for you is personal, even tailor-made. He grows you up when you need growing. He listens to your complaints. And through the worst of times, he surprises you with his best. Do you really know God then? Do you really know him as he is? One author described Jesus as God with skin on. I like that. Take a close look at him and you'll know how personal he is for you. He's the one who knows your name and took you to be his own in baptism. He's the one who takes time to make his home with you again and again through his holy communion. God is personal. God is close. The almighty, holy, and all-knowing God gets involved in the details of your life. He loves you that much. Not too long ago, a man named Brett Kyle was driving his truck much too fast in Ventura County, California. Suddenly, his truck skidded off the road slid into a drainage ditch and flipped over several times. The truck ended up on its passenger side and burst into flames. All of this happened to take place in front of the home of famous actor Jamie Foxx. If you were a famous actor and a truck crashed down by the road in front of your estate, what would you do? Well, you might hear the noise, maybe peek outside the window, maybe even call 911. Maybe you'd send someone down there to check it out. Well, what did Jamie Foxx do? He ran out of the house toward the truck. He opened his security gate and teamed up with a passerby to see if someone was inside. Instead of worrying about news coverage, autograph seekers, or personal image, he got involved. He got personal. The other man who stopped to help was an EMT, and together they broke through the windshield and worked to cut through the man's seatbelt. They managed to cut through the seatbelt and pull Kyle to safety just seconds before the truck exploded into flames. Now, Brett Kyle was injured, but he was alive. But Fox said this. He said, I don't look at this as heroic. I just look at it as you had to do something. One of the first responders commented, it's rare these days that you find someone willing to jump in and help like that. It certainly is. And that's what's so amazing about the Savior God, Jesus Christ. That's what's so remarkable about Jesus saying, come and have breakfast. He jumped in. He gets involved. God loved you so much, he had to do something. And that helps with all of life's questions, especially when we're uncertain and unsure. You probably know the old ploy from kids when they try to divide and conquer their parents. You know how it goes. The kids are jumping on the bed. You walk in on them. Get off the bed, kids. Stop jumping. Their response, well, Mom said we could. It's an old strategy, isn't it? A candy raid is staged 15 minutes before supper. Caught red-handed, the children say... But Dad said we could have a snack. Well, what's a parent to do? You stick together. You say, I know your mother. She doesn't make jumping on beds part of her standard entertainment program. Or you say, I know your father. His policy isn't to have you experience a sugar high before supper. When you know someone, you can be sure. 
and that clarity, that knowing them, that's what gets you through the uncertain moments of life. When you know God, you can be sure of him. Why is there evil in the world and in my life? Why does it go on? Doesn't God care? Well, I know God. He sent Jesus to die for my sin and all the evil and suffering in the world. He does care. I don't have all the answers, but I know he cares. When you know him, you can be sure. You can get through the uncertain moments because you know they are only temporary because of him. You will face many questions in life. There will be plenty of uncertainty. You'll never be able to figure it all out completely this side of heaven. But because of Jesus, God will always be closer than a brother. Through his word, his gifts, he's right here, right now, for you, with a personal love and joy that only he can give. When you dine with Jesus, that's a breakfast, lunch, and dinner that will sustain you with a powerful, precious love and grace that only he can give. Count on it today. Count on it forever. Amen. You're listening to the Lutheran Hour, and this is Action in Ministry. And today, Pastor Seltz, you showed us how Jesus deals with us on that everyday level of life. That's right. You know, just when the disciples were discouraged, thought everything was lost, Jesus came, sat down with them, and had breakfast. You know, Mark, what I love is how we also get to engage in similar types of person-to-person encouragement here at Lutheran Hour Ministries. That's what we do. <laughs> we try to bring Christ to you in a personal way to meet you at your place of need. And today we're going to be hearing from someone who works sort of behind the scenes, even as she serves on the front lines of ministry. Right. Janelle Lockwood has been working in our response center for five years. Yes. Wow. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us again, you know, what the Response Center is all about, what you and your crew do here at, at Lutheran Ministries. I know you're kind of hidden away, but you have such a great impact on people's lives. Yeah, the opportunity that we have in the Response Center is to primarily answer phone calls and emails um, with questions, looking for resources, looking for guidance, looking for help um, of anything that we, we deal with here at the Lutheran Hour Ministries. And what are some of the things you hear from our listeners and viewers? A lot of times we might get an email or a phone call asking um, about a copy for a sermon, something that touched their lives, that, that really meant something they need a copy that they want to share with somebody. Mm-hmm. They may have heard about a resource uh, that was promoted on the Lutheran Hour or there would be a Project Connect booklet, a Bible study. Um, and so it's, it's a great way that we're able to, to meet their needs um, that the Lutheran Hour has maybe introduced them to a resource. Well, do you mind sharing some examples with us? Sure, sure. So I received um, an email that said, this past February was the first anniversary of my husband's death from cancer, and I'm not sure if it was the loss or the financial struggles, but I sank into depression. I stopped going to church, and the longer I was gone, the worse I felt. Recently, I began to have suicidal thoughts. The only explanation for what happened next is the leading of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I read the sermon for April 19th. It made me cry, but most of all, it gave me comfort and hope. Thank you. Yeah, that's so powerful. Sometimes we, we don't even realize what people are going through and how the Word of God just comes right in and takes care of that. That's so cool. You know, but what people need to understand is when they call or email, you have resources that you can put into their hands. They get a sermon, a devotional. We can engage them in a more personal way. Tell us more about some of these resources that we actually have for them. 
Yeah, so I think the, the huge takeaway for a lot of people is that when they do call us, we do have things that we can put in their hand that give them hope. And a lot of people um, are asking for the resources of Project Connect booklets, the anecdotal topical booklets that will give them words to their story that somebody can validate what they're going through, but then also to bring that down and root it into Scripture to give them a true hope in Christ. Uh, we also have great award-winning Bible studies that are video-driven, um, that can be done in individual personal study or group Bible study that are very, the fact that they can be kind of surface and topical, but if you want to dig deeper, it allows that, that somebody a seasoned Bible studier to get deep into the Word of God. So you can see it, you can touch it, you can taste it. You can't yeah. smell it, can you? <laughs> but there's a lot of resources. And you were just telling us another story right before uh, you came in. Can you share that with us? Because that was about these resources, Exactly. Right? So there was a mother who had shared with us that her 22-year-old son has been in jail since 2015 in June. And she says he is a confirmed member of the LCMS, but she's having trouble, difficulty in locating any resources for help hope and encouragement. She said he does have a pastor that visits him, but she was asking if I could lead her to any information that I can share with my son. So I was able to give her uh, resources of video Bible study, uh, also Project Connect booklets that were many topics that she could use herself and also for her son. Also, ideally, we can mail this to her, but we're also trying to keep up with technology, and all of these are free and downloadable. Now, if you'd like to find out more about these resources, in just a moment, I'll give you the number that you can call. I'll also give you our website address. But we want to give you also the opportunity to share how God has worked through these resources to make a difference in your life. So if you have a personal experience of that, we'd like to hear from you as well. And so they'll be able to call in maybe and share some of that with, with you, Janelle, and yeah, your team, right? We would love that. Oh, wow. Well, we really have a, a treasure here that we want to share. In fact, we have a treasure in you and all mm -hmm. the folks that really answer those phones. We, we give God glory for that. Janelle, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. And that's our Action in Ministry segment today, to bless, to empower, and to strengthen your life in Christ for others. For a list of available resources, go to LutheranHour.org and look for the link that says Action in Ministry. And if you've been blessed by a resource you've received from us and you would like to share your story, call 1-855-JOHN-316. That's one 855 5646316 Our email address is info@lhm.org Next week Pastor Self says Jesus miracles were signs of God breaking into a sinful world but the religious leaders of that time saw it as a threat to their kingdoms The people in the text are just like us though aren't they Anyone can read the Bible. Anyone can plainly see who Jesus is and what he is all about for them. And yet we, too, can miss him and everything that he means for us, even when he's talking to us clearly through his word, even when he's clearly calling us to faith in him. So I'm challenging you today. If you really want to know who this Jesus is for you, keep asking the question, yes. But even more importantly, keep looking at him in the Bible. Keep listening to him speak to you. Pastor Gregory Seltz, next week. Each week, the Lutheran Hour shares the message of God's forgiving love for us in Jesus Christ. Your prayers and gifts help the Lutheran Hour share that good news directly through education and media and indirectly by supporting congregations and church bodies in their outreach efforts. To learn more about the worldwide outreach of Lutheran Hour Ministries, call 1-855-564-6316.
Together, we are bringing Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. Now, Pastor South leads us in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Pastor Gregory Self responds to questions from listeners. I'm Mark Eicher. Today a listener says he kind of thinks of himself as kind of a curmudgeon, but his wife says, no, that's not right. You're just kind of a grump. <laughs> so he wants to know, how can faith help him be more kind? Yeah, Mark, I like this because now you know we're getting down to the nitty-gritty how we live our lives. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to stay away from references to Snow White and her seven fathers, sure. but, but this is good. We are talking about how faith does change how you live. And, you know, to be harsh, grumpy, downcast, you know, we can identify with that. I think you're right. We all get into moods, but sometimes these moods become habits that can become hurtful. Now, that's an interesting distinction. You know, what would you say is the difference between a mood and a habit? Well, let's be honest. You know, we can be sometimes like little babies when we're tired or hungry, when you've had a hard day or under pressure. Your mood can become foul, and some people get quiet, some people get sad, some people get angry or unkind. That's a mood. But if you persist in letting circumstances shape your words and actions, you now may be developing a hurtful habit. Okay. Like we, we get really good at what we practice a lot. You do. I learned that on the basketball court. If you practice good things, you develop good habits. If you practice behavior that isn't constructive, you'll get good at being bad. And that's why the Apostle Paul urged people to practice the godly things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, He says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice those things that the God of peace will be with you. And just before that beautiful section, Paul urged his listeners to rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice because the Lord is at hand. And then he makes this incredible statement, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding is going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So already here, you hear the practices and the promises and the potential of a new way of living in Christ. So that when challenges come, instead of practicing unkindness as a habit, God gives us something else to practice. Yes, he gives us a new way with an eternal resource. So by grace through faith in Jesus, we keep in step with the Spirit, not our own flesh. Now listen, this doesn't mean we're perfect, but it's a new way to live in Christ. So Paul says through baptism, we walk in the newness of Christ's life. And the pinnacle of this new life is living out that love of Christ in us to others. 
and those are lives that are characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And remember, the Bible calls those the fruits of the Spirit. They're, they're His gifts, again, in our life. So God grows it in us through His Spirit, by His grace. We can't even manufacture these things. These attitudes and actions are God's gifts, and they bear witness to His presence in us. So think of it this way. Being unkind, arrogant, judgmental, and harsh actually quenches the Spirit of God, and we don't want to do that. They're acts of our own flesh that the Bible urges us to resist so that we don't develop habits that push people away from a walk with their Savior. How can our listener then grow in kindness through this walk of faith? Well, first and foremost, Mark, we need to start with the heart. Only God changes hearts, and he does this through his self-sacrificial love for us. And so the first step in changing any behavior is not to lean on our own strength and ability, but to fall before God in repentance and ask for his mercy and his grace. And the Bible gives great assurance. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Absolutely. Our salvation is by grace without works. But the Bible then says in Ephesians 2, We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. And that includes kindness. That in Christ, by the Holy Spirit, we're called to grow in that new life. Exactly. So I'd urge our listener to continue to be fed by God's holy word. I would urge our listener to walk with kind people so acts of unkindness could diminish and habits of kindness could develop. And being accountable in a community of faith is so important to the life of a follower of Jesus so that we can practice and run the race of our life faithfully. That through the kindness we show to each other, the world will also take notice and see Jesus. Absolutely. Thank you, Pastor Seltz. This has been a presentation of Lutheran Hour Ministries. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries. Is Jesus God? Did Jesus ever claim to be God? Jesus is never recorded in the Bible as saying the precise words, I am God. That does not mean, however, that he did not proclaim that he is God. Take, for example, Jesus' words in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. We need only to look at the Jews' reaction to his statement to know that he was claiming to be God. They tried to stone him for this very reason. You, a mere man, claim to be God, verse 33. The Jews understood exactly what Jesus was claiming, deity. Notice that Jesus does not deny his claim to be God. When Jesus declared, I and the Father are one, he was saying that he and the Father are of one nature in essence. John 8, verse 58 is another example. Jesus declared, I will tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. The response of the Jews who heard this statement was to take up stones to kill him for blasphemy, as the Mosaic law commanded them to do, Leviticus 24, verse 15. John reiterates the concept of Jesus' deity. The Word was God, and the Word became flesh, John 1, verses 1 and 4. These verses clearly indicate that Jesus is God in the flesh. Acts 20, verse 28 tells us, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Who bought the church? The church of God, with his own blood, Jesus Christ. This verse declares that God purchased his church with his own blood. Therefore, Jesus is God. Thomas, the disciple, declared concerning Jesus, My Lord and my God, John 20, verse 28. Jesus does not correct him. Titus 2, verse 13 encourages us to wait for the coming of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1, verse 8, the Father declares of Jesus, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. The Father refers to Jesus as, O God, indicating that Jesus is indeed God. In Revelation, an angel instructed the Apostle John to only worship God, Revelation 19, verse 10. Several times in Scripture, Jesus receives worship, Matthew 2, verse 11. Matthew 28, verse 9, for example. He never rebukes people for worshiping him. If Jesus were not God, he would have told people to not worship him, just as the angel in Revelation did. There are many other verses and passages of Scripture that argue for Jesus' deity. The most important reason that Jesus has to be God is that if he is not God, his death would not have been sufficient to pay the penalty for the sins of the world. A created being, which Jesus would be if he were not God, could not pay the infinite penalty required for sin against an infinite God. Only God could pay such an infinite penalty. Only God could take on the sins of the world, die, and be resurrected, proving his victory over sin and death. God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions. Online at gotquestions.org. Janine Marks, a 12-year-old, was fairly normal. She spent a lot of time online. One day, she met a new friend. The new friend had the same problems at home. They liked the same bands. They worried about the same subjects in school. They promised to keep each other's secrets. They wished they went to the same junior high. The new friend had good news. He said he was going to be in Janine's area one Saturday. He thought it would be amazing if they could just hang out, go to the mall. Janine agreed. The new friend didn't want parents messing this up. Janine showed up alone. So did her new friend, who wasn't in junior high, wasn't nice, 
and wasn't a 14-year-old boy. Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOFT or visit cybertipline.com to learn how to protect your kids' online life. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. Great party, huh, guys? Yeah, oh, yeah it is. So much fun. Uh -huh. <laughs> I do say so myself. Um, hey, did you know that birthday parties actually help build confidence in kids? Um, yeah, I did know that. Did you know that giving kids less sugar before bedtime helps them sleep better? Right, of course. Yeah, I knew that. Um, did you know that strollers have the right of way on sidewalks? <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you know that friendly kids statistically have more friends? <laughs> Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Obvious. Hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? I didn't know that. <clears throat> think I knew that. No, I didn't. Parents who really know it all? Know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1.
Hi, this is Donnie McClickin, and I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial, but the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. Blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. This is Anne Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. If you want to experience God, you must choose him at all costs. You must be willing to do as Peter did in Matthew 14. Step out of the boat. Risk total failure in the eyes of others. Discover firsthand his power enabling you to walk on the water when Jesus bids you come. Again and again, I've been confronted with hard choices when I've had to throw caution to the wind and abandon myself to faith in him and him alone. When I step into a pulpit, when I begin to write, when I commit this ministry to much more than we have resources to underwrite, whenever I choose to step out in obedient faith and trust him, I'm actually choosing to take him at his word. Listen to me. Put him to the test. Obey whatever he says. Do it. The result will be the thrilling adventure we call the Christian life. This is Ann Graham Lodge. Check it out, it's the Terminator. Hey, when'd you get back, huh? Did you have to shoot anyone? Why are you so distant? Are you not happy to see me? So what's the deal? You gonna get a job now or what? Why are you being so jumpy? Put all that stuff behind you, okay? No one knows what it's like to come back from Iraq or Afghanistan unless they were there. Join other veterans at communityofveterans.org because we know where you're coming from. Brought to you by Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America and the Ad Council.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on the cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that put you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. 
I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? And are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself totally to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so You gave your very life for the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude, all that I am.
Imagine a friend has just told you they were diagnosed with a mental illness. What would you do? Awkward, isn't it? But what's even more awkward is, if you're not there for them, they'll be less likely to recover. Mental illness. What a difference a friend makes. To learn more, go to whatadifference.org. This message is brought to you by the Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kennedy Jenkins. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.